Hi everyone, welcome to The Lab Report, a podcast that will show you the inner workings of the clinical lab through discussions, interviews, and stories. Most importantly, you will see what goes on behind the scenes in the clinical lab and how it can impact you. Welcome back to The Lab Report. I'm your host, Victoria Higgins, and today I will be talking to Dr. Michelle Parker. Dr. Parker is a clinical biochemist at Dynalife Medical Labs and an assistant clinical professor at the University of Alberta in Edmonton. She is joining us today to talk about allergy testing. So we'll touch on what an allergy is and its important distinction from sensitization, what allergy testing is available for patients, how this testing is interpreted, as well as how allergy testing should be appropriately utilized to most benefit patients. I want to start off by first asking, what is an allergy, as well as what is a sensitivity? So that's a really great place to start this discussion. An allergy is when your immune system is generating a specific type of inappropriate response to something you were exposed to. This might be a food like peanuts, something you inhaled in the environment like grass pollen, the venom in an insect sting, or even a drug you were prescribed, especially certain antibiotics. So I have a young toddler and I think of allergies a little bit like some of her more random tantrums. It's an overreaction to something that to most people would be completely harmless. And in virtually all cases of allergy and toddler tantrums, the solution is supportive care followed by either avoiding the trigger completely or in some cases and under close supervision, working on desensitizing the body to that exposure. The specific inappropriate response or overreaction for allergies involves a type of antibody called immunoglobulin E or IgE. So exposure to a trigger or allergen causes the production of IgE, which in turn leads to the release of many different chemicals in the body that cause the classic signs and symptoms of allergic reaction. as things like itchy skin, rashes, swelling of the tongue and throat. In really severe cases, anaphylaxis may result, which is a life-threatening allergic reaction throughout the entire body. Exposure, Exposure to an allergen may not always cause a reaction the first time. So this first exposure may lead to something called sensitization, which can be the first step in the development of a true clinical allergy. But it's an important distinction that sensitization doesn't always lead to a clinical allergy. And we'll talk more about that later. You also asked about sensitivity which is different from sensitization, even though the words sound quite similar. When someone says they have a sensitivity to a food, they're typically referring to a rather uncomfortable digestive system response to a food, but it's not mediated by the immune system, and that's the key distinction. Okay, so now that we understand what an allergy is, can you tell us what types of allergy testing are available? The two most common types of allergy testing, and there are others, uh, but the two most common types are skin prick tests and blood-based IgE testing. So the skin prick test is done in the office of an allergy specialist. You typically need to be off antihistamine medication a certain amount of time as instructed by the allergist uh, to ensure the most accurate results. Basically, a small prick is made to introduce some of the allergen just under the skin, and then after a defined period of time, typically 15 to 30 minutes, the area around the skin prick is examined for evidence of an allergic reaction, including things like redness and swelling. The blood-based IgE testing involves a blood draw at the lab, and then the blood sample is tested for the presence of IgE antibodies that recognize a specific allergen, such as peanut. Often those two tests are used together in the investigation of allergy. 
Who would generally order these allergy tests and when would patients generally be referred to a clinical um, immunology or allergy specialist? When there is a suspected allergic reaction, this would be grounds for referral to or consultation with an allergy specialist, especially in pediatric patients. Some communities have limited access to allergy specialists or wait times can be quite long. So a family physician or primary care provider may begin the investigation by ordering blood-based IgE tests for the specific suspected triggers of the reaction. For more complex cases, especially when the symptoms are atypical or the allergic trigger is unclear, an allergy specialist would really be better equipped to investigate. And skin prick testing and other follow-up testing as needed would also be done with an allergy specialist. If we focus on blood-based tests that are performed in clinical laboratories, so this is what we as clinical biochemists would be overseeing, what different tests are available and how do they work in general? Total IgE testing was historically done in the context of allergy investigation, but there are really limited scenarios where this is helpful, especially at the first line of investigation. Some labs offer food or environmental inhalant allergy screens, which test a patient's blood for the presence of IgE against a mixture of common food or environmental allergens. So the environmental inhalant screen can be useful in cases where the allergic trigger is unclear. So symptoms of environmental allergies can be more nonspecific, and an environmental inhalant screen can help inform if the symptoms experienced by a patient are truly from an allergic reaction. Food screens are a bit of a different story. As of last year, I'm not aware of any labs in Canada offering an IgE food allergy screen. There's good reason for this, as food allergy tests should always be carefully chosen based on a thorough medical history interpreted in the context of the patient's food exposures, and we'll talk more about that later. In almost all cases, the best option for blood-based allergy testing is what we call allergen-specific IgE testing. These tests are engineered to measure the amount of IgE in a patient's blood that can recognize a specific allergen. So in the lab, we need to know exactly which allergen is being investigated. It's not uncommon to get allergy requests for things like nuts or fish, but we don't have a test for all nuts or all fish. The tests are more specific. In the lab, we need to know if it's peanut, almond, or cashew, because these are all different tests, just like a glucose test is different from a cholesterol test. We've even seen requests for things like pizza, and hopefully you can see now why this isn't something we can test. We would need to know which parts of the pizza were being considered as an allergic trigger, so something like wheat or tomato. Now that we know what blood-based allergy tests are available and generally what they're targeting, how are the results of these tests interpreted? So for example, if my blood test for IgE almond came back positive, does that mean I have an almond allergy? So this is such an important question. The allergen-specific IgE testing we do is reported as a quantitative value. So your result might be something like 0.15 or 16.9 kilounits per liter. These results are compared to the cutoff for positivity, which at DynaLife is 0.35 kilounits per liter. So results above 0.35 would flag as abnormal. The interpretation of these results is not simple. Testing in the appropriate context and having an allergy specialist involved in the interpretation is so important. You gave the example of almond, so we'll run with that. 
If you had a clinical history suggestive of an almond allergy and your blood test for almond IgE came back positive, this would be consistent with an almond allergy. An allergy specialist would likely supplement this information with a skin prick test as well. If you did not have a clinical history suggestive of an almond allergy and a test for almond IgE was therefore inappropriately ordered, yet the result was positive, this is likely indicating sensitization to almond. Near the beginning of our discussion today, we talked about how sensitization can be the first step to developing an allergy, but it's not the same thing as being clinically allergic. Especially in pediatrics, sensitization is quite common in the absence of clinical allergy. And in these cases, controlled exposure is typically recommended to prevent the development of allergy. If you avoid a food that you're sensitized to, but not allergic to, it actually increases the risk of developing a true allergy. So the short answer is no. <laughs> a positive almond IgE test in isolation does not mean that you have an almond allergy. We continue on with this almond example. Can the test tell me how strongly I will react to almonds or potentially help you determine what symptoms I would likely have? The quantitative value doesn't tell you much, if anything, about the potential severity of an allergic reaction to that allergen. It's more associated to the likelihood of having a reaction. So you're less likely to have a clinical allergic response with a low positive result but if you do have an allergic response, it could still be very severe. And we've been focusing on positive results, but negative results also need to be interpreted with caution. In some cases, detectable levels of IgE to a specific allergen, even below that positivity cutoff, have been associated with true clinical allergy. This is more common in pediatrics, and it's an area of active research and investigation. I know you were recently involved in implementing some utilization strategies in Alberta for allergy testing that is performed uh, specifically at DynaLife. So what are some utilization issues related to allergy testing that you are trying to tackle? The most common utilization issue related to blood-based allergy testing comes back to testing that's not done in the appropriate clinical context. At DynaLife, we made some major changes to allergy testing in the fall of 2022 with the main goal of improving patient care by reducing inappropriate allergy investigations. So would you specifically implement to achieve this goal of improving the utilization of allergy testing in Alberta and most importantly, trying to improve patient care? We used to offer a food allergy screen. It was a mix of the six most common food allergens, things like peanut and egg white, and if the screen was positive, we would automatically do testing for three to five of the most common food allergens, depending on the age of the patient. This may sound like an efficient system, but hopefully at this point in our discussion, you can appreciate that this is not appropriate in the context of allergy investigations. There were two main problems with this approach. So first was the clinical false positives. If a physician ordered the food allergen screen without the patient having a potential allergic reaction to the foods in the food screen, and one or more results came back positive, there was often inappropriate advice given to avoid those foods. Our allergy team in Edmonton receiving referrals for these types of cases noted that this was a real issue in pediatrics, where a child might be told, for example, to avoid milk because of a positive result from the food allergen screen. In these cases, the results were likely indicating sensitization to milk, and the avoidance of milk can lead to nutritional deficiencies and an increased likelihood of developing a clinical allergic response to milk in the future.
The second main problem was the clinical false negatives. It was not uncommon to see requests for all foods, or similar, reflecting a misunderstanding that the food allergen screen only included the six most common food allergens. A negative result only meant that it was unlikely the patient was allergic to the six specific foods in the screen, but it's entirely possible that the patient was allergic to one of the, one or more of the many foods not included in the screen, such as almonds or shrimp. Some of the actions we took to improve utilization were education campaigns to physicians on the appropriate use of blood-based allergy tests, uh, discontinuation of the food allergy screen, and implementation of a new requisition that lists all the allergen-specific IgE tests that are available in the province. After discussion with the allergy specialists, we also implemented a limit of five allergen-specific IgE tests per patient when ordered by a non-allergy specialist, really to help encourage and enforce targeted ordering based on a patient's clinical history and exposures. The response has been overall really positive, and it's also provided more opportunities for education on how these changes align with national and international clinical practice guidelines to optimize the investigation of allergy for the benefit of patients. So I know utilization projects are really a big undertaking. So they have a large planning phase, lots of communication with different stakeholders, the actual execution, and then the continued efforts to ensure the initiative led to an actual positive change. So it's really exciting to see the positive impact these changes have made for patients in Alberta. So I have one last question to wrap up today's episode. So what big changes to allergy testing do you see happening in the near or far future? Probably the biggest change coming is something called component result diagnosis. It's a set of tests that allows us to essentially add a magnifying glass and look at exactly which part of an allergenic food a patient is reactive to. In the hands of an allergy specialist, this added detail can more accurately inform things like how likely it is that a patient will have a severe allergic reaction to that food. It's something that's becoming more common for investigation and management of peanut allergy, but I think it will have a role for many other allergies too. Thank you so much, Dr. Parker, for taking the time to talk to me today about allergy testing. I'm sure our listeners learned a lot today about the complexities of allergy testing that's available and its interpretation. And I also want to praise the work you've done here in Alberta to improve the utilization of allergy testing for our patients. So thank you all for listening to this episode of The Lab Report. So please let us know what you think by leaving us a review on iTunes. And you can email us any questions you have at epoc or epocc at cscc.ca. See you in the next episode.